Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield, and I'm broadcasting from NCC The Classic. It's the fall edition cattle shows that are going to be taking place throughout the weekend at the Buffalo County Fairgrounds in Kearney, Nebraska. So a great opportunity to see some wonderful youth bringing those livestock into the ring to show. Uh, speaking of uh, things happening, we saw a nice uh, uptick on a Friday at least on the grain complex. We're going to take a look at that. We had jobs numbers come out. We'll talk feds, the dollar, and a whole lot more that are factoring our grain markets. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. And welcome back once again. As you can see, joining us this week, Sue Martin with Ag and Investment, and of course, Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors. And uh, an interesting week. Nice to see an uptick happen like it did in the grain complex on a Friday. Something we're not used to uh, seeing such momentum heading into a weekend. So, uh, Sue, let's kind of start with you. Kind of give me your overall thoughts on what you saw in this trade this week. Well, I think that we ended the week with some pretty good volatility, and we have volatility cycles that we watch, and those are coming to uh, today and Sunday night, Monday, uh, focusing on this weekend because we do them in calendar days. And sure enough, uh, beans rallied into it, gained more volatility and momentum. Uh, we think come Sunday night into Monday, we're going to peak this move, catch a correction, and then we'll see what this market's made of. The weather, of course, in, in Brazil uh, is the big item for the bean market. And, of course, continued demand for soy meal because Argentina is just not able to export uh, the amount of beans at uh, soy meal that they normally would. And then on the corn are indicators of Again, cycle window time, we were straight across uh, all three markets and uh, corn came down, took a look at that uh, low of September. So it struck what may be a, a double bottom and reversed out of here today. And again, it's a little bit on weather, market making a technical potential double bottom, that type of thing. But um, the wheat market, not a lot of news, remains kind of um, meandering, trying to place a low or a bottom in here. Um, I'm, I'm a reluctant, I don't want to be a bear in these markets. I think we're, our lows are in, and I think we're going to try to work these markets higher as we roll the year over. And it was kind of interesting, too, to see that, that double uh, low taking place in that corn complex. Yes. And, you know, um, on a what I would call a, a way of price projecting, it's not Elliott Wave, um, 71 471 actually is a wave four and usually those are like the wall of china and so we've been here we're testing it bouncing off it now if you take that out the market's probably going to fall another 20 cents but i think end users maybe need to be using this break to take a look at possibly getting some some grain bought if they need it all right sean what are your thoughts give us your outlook of uh of this week's trade I think we're getting close enough to the actual growing season in Brazil that this uh, historic heat and dryness in Mato Grosso, Northern Brazil, 
um, is starting to worry the market, especially for soybeans, which are first in line. Of course, second crop corn comes in after that. And I think when you look at this, a failed Amazon monsoon up to this point, which we really haven't seen too many times go into November and not really fire up um, at a time that we're seeing reversals in the U.S. dollar and reversals in interest rates. I think a lot of short specs that were all over the grain markets for the last several months are getting nervous that they might be on the wrong side of the market at the wrong time of the year and are starting to to take some of that short covering uh, to, to take some risk off and put some weather premium on. And if this weather were to persist into the end of the year, as we think the odds are favoring that, that weather premium would have to get more steep than not going forward. So do you think that offers a, a new opportunity for, for U.S. exports? Well, with this trouble? yeah, I think so, because as the dollar breaks, um, you know, that is allowing for foreign buyers to buy cheaper. And of course, the interest rates, that's kind of been playing a little bit of a hand in their letters of credit. So, uh, but the world's a hungry place. And I agree with Sean. I think we're going to see a, a shift where money moves away from assets, you know, com uh, stocks, that type of thing, more into raw commodities. Maybe something similar to we've seen in the 70s. But um, I think with the weather forecast that's coming out of uh, Brazil, I agree with Sean. We're in November. Now's a critical time and it's going to remain this way. The problem for corn is the first crop of corn is what's planted. And of course, southern Brazil is just getting inundated with too much rain. And um, that's not the crop they export, but it still downs, um, reduces what they produce. And then in the meantime, the safrina comes on the backside of soybeans and that hits us more towards February, March. And so things can change by then, but at the moment it would be more psychological uh, happening. The fact that they're coming down, they're losing acres to go to beans. But today I was reading how some farmers are even, uh, even cutting or chopping up uh, their soybeans and planning on putting in cotton. Wow. That'll be a game changer then. Yes. it's Brazil is so important now because last year they, in this last season, they kind of unseated us from number one. So this puts more credence on Brazil's weather. Um, Argentina, on the flip side, I think is going to see a little better season. And that'll help them. Uh, the wheat, maybe not so much, but it'll help their corn and, and of course, soybeans. So, Shauna, we're going to get earlier in the week, you and I were talking about the, obviously, the Fed's meeting that was taking place. And then we were talking about this uh, coming out later in the week would have an influence on the trade. Your thoughts and, and the influence that it did or didn't have in the numbers? Well, I think it's very important to understand that two fundamental markets that have the same fundamentals can trade very differently depending on what's going on in the macro environment. Where's the U.S. dollar? Where are interest rates? Is the Fed printing money? Are they not? I always say that a two billion bushel carryout could mean four and a half dollar corn. It could mean six dollar corn, depending on how the lens that you go through. What we talked about earlier in the week with you, Susan, is that if we start getting some weakness in the economy, especially jobs, which has been the one thing that's not been showing up yet, it would really start bringing the concept in that the Fed is done with this rate increase cycle. And that we would, the next thing in our mind is, well, when are they going to start to lower rates, 
print money, that sort of thing. And if you looked at the big backing up or backing down of interest rates on the 30-year, on the 10-year, and the big bearish reversal downward in the U.S. dollar on this week, ADP report and the jobs report from the U.S. government, it really says that the capital flows, as uh, Sue uh, was saying, you know, might be shifting away from financial assets to hard assets, which have suffered the most from this kind of a restrictive monetary policy. So I think that's a really big turn this week in the macro that mm -hmm. if it dovetails into this escalating Brazil weather story, um, you, know, you could have considerable momentum and considerable uh, moving out of these short positions by the speculators. And as Sue said, if people worry that Brazil's not gonna be as big of an exporter next year as they were this year, they're gonna start making phone calls to the US for to get some extra supplies in on their on importing from that from us. Well, that'd be a good thing. Now, what about African swine fever? It's taken a jump once again in China. So there causes some concerns about grain consumption there. Well, that does tend to bring down uh, soy meal uh, usage, but on the same token, because the price of hogs is dropping so hard because they're liquidating again, and they're always going to deal with African swine fever. I think they have for a long time. Uh, and they've even now opened the door to Russian pork, which also had African swine fever. So I think that um, China needs food. And I think as the prices fall and stay down, they may uh, tweak or maneuver their feed usage of soy meal, maybe not put as much into the ration. They'll find creative ways to try to help soften that uh, blow of, of bad prices. But on the same token, I think China needs food pure and simple. Um, their, their economies, next week we'll get the PPI out of China and their economy is very important as to what their demand does. If they're looking at war, they're gonna want food supplies on hand. And really since the middle of 19, I would say mother nature hasn't been super kind to their uh, uh, production anyway. So I'm wondering just how good really China's reserves are. What about weather? Um, I know that here in the States, Mississippi River has been a big conversation point, And we know that there's some decent moisture that's moving in to help replenish uh, the river. But what are you hearing on barge movement? Is there any concerns as we continue with harvest? Well, I think that um, the barge movement um, it's thought that if we could catch some rains here, that maybe we could enhance a little bit of the water levels in the Mississippi. But it doesn't look to me like it's going to be anything very great. And depending on who you listen to for weather, you know, Farmer's Almanac makes it look like we're going to have a very cold, snowy winter. But then NOAA put out a map that made it look like to the north, uh, north, uh, central Midwest, that uh, we were actually gonna see a milder winter, but then to the south of us, it would be more brutally cold. So I don't know, we'll see what happens here, but uh, I think that uh, the Mississippi's got a ways to go yet to get past what we're dealing with. Real fast, Sean, what's the thing we need to watch in the dairy market? I think right now, um, the, the, the key factor is continue to watch the GDT auctions that comes out of New Zealand every two weeks, the cash market for the global supply. We've seen some very good powder numbers, uh, demand, uh, some very good, uh, you know, increase from Asian demand, from China demand. And that's really driving the class four market 
higher and leading the way. Um, what we also want to see is we want to see the, the, the cheese market, which is the sore thumb in the class three market, start to see demand kind of work some of this overhang away so that we can get into the new year and see the class three market doing better than, you know, starting to follow the class four market higher. I think in the, in the short run, 19 to 20 class three prices can be awfully hard to take out until we get into the new year. Once we do, we think that the, uh, the, the prospects for dairy prices here in the U.S. are considerably better. All right. Well, thanks for both of you joining us today. I want to remind folks that commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.